Welcome back there, Porch Project listeners. We still haven't come up with a better name for our... I will, Y'all don't want to go with the swingers? <laughs> I don't know about the swingers. I don't, I don't come think on, we man. <laughs> I, I was about to call them fans, but I don't know, really know if they're fans of ours <laughs> or they just like keep wanting to click on and uh, enjoy the train wreck that is the podcast. <laughs> Speaking of trains, did y'all hear for like 30 minutes of the last episode <laughs> yeah. how long that train went on in the background? I know. We're going to have to... We are inside proof. of a cinder block building. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with another building in between us and the train yeah. tracks. And it still made it oh, to yeah. the microphones. <laughs> it's, it's about like the uh, sirens going by like every now and then. Um Send us money and we can do soundproofing if you don't like it. <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the porch project, we need a booth. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are going to be uh, speaking on, I guess, one of our listeners' topics this evening. We had uh, a message come in um, from Christopher, and he asked us to speak on the book of Job and, and you know, just why people suffer in general, and so... Well, to clarify, it's not the the Reverend Dr. Bishop Christopher Bates. It's, yeah, this it's is... the Porch Podcast listener, Christopher, Christopher West. West. Swinger yeah. Christopher West. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Christopher. Yeah. And well, Chris- he was a listener until just now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about Job this evening, um, and that is Job, not Job. Um, J O B. J O B. And so, I guess to to kind of open us up, I, I will say in a little bit of preparation um, for this, I was listening to a couple of different pastors who are way smarter than me, which is probably about every pastor. Um, but they were talking specifically, and they. One was Dr. J- David Jeremiah. There we go. And he was saying that, like, the book of Job in general is just a book on endurance. And uh, the other cool thing, um, and I'd have to go back and look, and I can't remember who it was that I heard that from, but the pastor said um, that the reason for Job's suffering was because of his righteousness. So with those things in mind... <laughs> well, before we move on, Will... Well, uh, no. a little, uh, my viewpoint, we weren't going there. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a, I guess, hypothetical or theoretical question is, you mentioned that the book of Job is written on endurance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is the book of Job a literal book about a literal man who literally had to go through things to develop endurance, or is it a figurative book about a figurative man who had to go through figurative things to develop endurance? Meaning, did it literally happen to Job, or was it written so that we can put ourselves into the life and the story of Job so that we can build and develop and cultivate our own endurance? Well, I will say from my standpoint <laughs> um, we're gonna we're, put it we're gonna put up a standpoint ticker yeah, on our facebook page exactly. and every time y'all every hear time. him say from my standpoint anytime standpoint comes standpoint. out of will's mouth just put a just little tick mark it. we're a minute and a half in and it's already here well i figure at this point like it's y'all are already fully aware of me saying standpoint so i just i, I guess i um have to add more of that so there will probably be lots of standpoints stand <laughs> we're gonna make t-shirts by the way that'll be in our merch store yeah. <laughs> it'll just say standpoint on the front of it from my Y'all standpoint pick yours up tomorrow and it'll have uh like a what's the hashtag the, well, not a hashtag, but like the little, you know, like the bobblehead size face. <laughs> <laughs> like stick my face down there. <laughs> the evangelist under it. Um, <laughs> one of those other podcasts we're going to take off. Um, so I think that Job, it's in my personal opinion, and, and from what I've heard, Job was a literal person. Um, I have heard that that might not have really been his name, um, that Job meant something like the hated or something along those lines. Maybe not the hated, but uh, 
I, I can't think of the word now. I just heard it. But it, it was something like the hated or um, uh, s- something negative. There was a negative association and that the people, his friends that showed up in the book might have given him that nickname. Um, I also heard uh, that the book of Job was actually one of the earliest um, stories of someone it predates uh, Abraham and Noah um, and all that stuff. So, uh, I, like I said, I do think it's a, a literal book or a literal book, a literal person. There we go. Um, and but I do think it is also for us to put ourselves in that that viewpoint or that you know standpoint. Yeah, no, I, I fully <laughs> put yourself <laughs> in that standpoint. I fully agree. So recently. Our men's life group that meets on Wednesday nights at 1452 Whitehorse Road, <laughs> the church at West Gant, 6.30 to 7.30 approximately, men's group, men's group of all ages. Um, anyway, so in our men's group that, that meets on Wednesday nights, our, our life group, we recently did a study on the book of Job, and it was, uh, I guess, assembled or put together by Francis Chan, and he walked us through the book and what you're saying is is that's his standpoint too. So you share a standpoint with Francis Chan. Standpoint and is is rubbing off. Don't worry, y'all are gonna be all be using it by the end. I would I would definitely agree that, you know, when, when I read the the Bible in general, I try and read it as literally as possible because I think that's the way God intends it to be read by his children. I don't think he wants to cast any doubt or confusion on us. So when he gives us these stories, you know, I believe that he means us means for us to take them literally. So I would agree that when we read the book of Job, it is about a literal man, it is about his literal life, it is about the literal struggles and hardships that he went through in order to demonstrate how we can go through our own hardships and struggles and things like that. Well, and if you take it from the context of the parables, Right, so when Jesus goes to tell a parable, he never mentions a name of a person. But if it's a story like the rich man and Lazarus, then he start. There's a specific name associated with it. Associated with it. So, I, if you look at it from that context, I, I would assume because there is a name, this isn't this isn't a parable. This isn't just a, a, a made up story. Bishop Bates. <laughs> Dang, I just got called out. Uh, it would be better if he would just have left the, the suit on. He should have left the tie and mm. the jacket on. Mm. I mean, how can we make such a great Facebook post and picture of us and him just in his white shirt? Uh, suits. <laughs> we can do a whole podcast session on that. Um talk all day about how much I hate them things. Um, no, the book of Job... Uh, I think you're right. I, I would agree that, I, I, like Wes said, I, I tend to to read Scripture literally unless there are very consistent cues to read it otherwise. So, for example, you read through the Psalms. We know that the Psalms were written as poetry, and so you read it as poetry. You get to Jesus' parables. We know that they were meant to be parables, and so we read them as parables. But if it's not, if there are not contextual clues or direct statements that tell us otherwise, my default is read it literally. And so uh, while the story of Job may have been passed down from generation to generation and maybe his name got changed or, you know, maybe it predated all these people. It probably did predate all these people, but doesn't really matter. I think the, the purpose of the book is to communicate truths that do apply to us and do help us understand exactly what um, our, our listener was trying to get us to talk about tonight of why do people suffer? Why does God allow suffering? Um, and so as we read or talk through the book of Job, um, that's where you have to take it. Whether he's a literal guy or not doesn't change the lessons that are learned uh, from that, uh, just as if we were reading the parable of um, uh, the prodigal son. Whether the prodigal son was a literal person or not does not change the meaning of that story and how we apply it to ourselves. So you can have your own opinion for sure about what that looks like or whether or not Job was a real guy. and um, but that doesn't change the purpose of the story and why we study it and why we look into it. So. 
I thought he was going to keep going. The man sitting here talking about it with his eyes closed. <laughs> oh, no. I, well, just to give, like, some context to Job, in case anybody has never fully read through it. Essentially, um, and this is a view from 30,000 feet and a uh, quick synopsis so that we don't have, like, a six-hour-long podcast. Um, but basically, Job... Um, was a righteous man, uh, according to God, and uh, even according to his wife, which is pretty big deal that his wife called him righteous. Um, but he essentially went from instead of rags to riches, went from riches to rags, and lost everything. Um, God specifically uh, calls out Job mm-hmm. essentially with Satan, and. Um, allows Saint, Satan to do everything but kill him. And so from from there, Job kind of goes through this conversation with friends. Uh, he he kind of has the, all this heartache and all that. And so there there's just a lot of suffering. As we get to the end of Job, though, we see a change. And, um, uh, of course, things start coming back to him. Um, but I think uh, the the main question in all of that uh, was the suffering piece um, and why because it's never really answered as to why Job was the one who had to suffer Um, going back to what I was talking about when I first opened it up um, I think it is a good point that only the righteous can handle the suffering Um, I, I don't know that God is necessarily telling Satan to allow me to get, you know, have to go through all this stuff. Um, but, you know, I think it, it is bearing, bearing on how we can handle it. Um, we, we always like to use the adage, God won't give you anything more than you can bear. We know that's, that's not accurate. But um, I do think to a certain extent, like, if you can't handle it, you know, God's not going to take your, um, you know, God's not going to take your whole family if you're not going to be able to withstand that and handle that. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I think that we can't, I would say on the topic of suffering, you can't narrow down the purpose of suffering to one reason. Yeah. And so when I look at the book of Job, we see one reason for suffering. It was God's will. I mean, there's just no other way around yeah. it. We see this kind of opening uh, of the curtain uh, to some extent of where we see kind of into heaven and we see this interaction between God and Satan. And and they they have this full conversation around like, oh, well, Satan, where you been? And Satan's like, man, I've been traveling over the earth messing people up. Um, and I think I could do it to anybody. Like, I don't think there's anybody left on earth that I couldn't corrupt, right? And and literally, God uses Job as like a a proving point that that's not true. And it be, it was because Job mm-hmm. displayed righteousness. But we have to be careful not to, I think, as, as you guys listen to that and study that, to go, that's not the only reason that we face suffering. Yeah. We can go to the New Testament and we can read passages about purposes behind our suffering and um, you know, there, there are sometimes it's caused by us and our own poor decisions and things that we do, and it's it's a consequence, right? Mm-hmm. Like we face yeah. consequence. That's not the case for Job, though. No. Job was not a consequence. He didn't do anything wrong. We we could talk about um, that God uses that to strengthen us and to encourage us. So uh, part of part of my story with my wife and my family is is our youngest son, and uh, he had a, a very long season, still in a season of overcoming birth defects and some some difficult times. Um, and we tell people all the time that God grew us through that suffering, it w- and it was suffering, still is some days uh, when He's annoying me. Um, <laughs> no, I love. Um, but God uses that suffering to grow me and stretch me. But even that, I don't know that that was necessarily the case for Job here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we could continue on on that. I, I think we have to be careful not to try to oversimplify God's purposes in suffering and say, well, God really has one design for that. Well, that's true in Job's story. There was one reason for it. But that's not always true for every amount of suffering that we face on the side. Some of it is just the effects of living in a fallen world. We're going to suffer. We uh, did a funeral for a a sweet lady literally an hour ago who who passed away from cancer, and she was a sweet lady. She did nothing to deserve 
cancer in her body. Um, but that is the effects of living in a sinful, sinful world that is completely affected by the curse of sin. We now have disease and we have all these things that are not a part of God's original plan for us or his ultimate plan for us in the full restoration of his kingdom. So when we think about Job, though, and we zoom into that story, we do have to kind of begin with the purposes found in those opening chapters where God and Satan have this conversation, and God is literally, his statement to Satan is like, have you considered my servant Job? In other words, like, I'm going to use Job to prove you wrong. And and he did use Job's righteousness for that. Had Job not been a righteous man, God would not have been able to use him in that. Um, So it's... And and going, you know, with that in mind, I think that it's human nature to want the the reason why and to always like for it always to be the same. It's kind of like the, the story with Gideon. Um, I preached about on Sunday where it was the lapping of water, you know, them getting on their knees. You know, like we want to add context to that. Like there's a reason because of this and this and this, but really we don't know. It's, it's a, it's about what, why God allowed that to happen. And, and I think with Gideon or with Gideon with Job, it was the same way we want there to be a specific purpose in the suffering and we just don't have that there. And, yeah. and we don't completely know that there. We know that he was able to withstand it. And it's a, it's a story on endurance because he withstood it, you know, as long as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love the opening line, uh, verses where they come in and they say, you know, the sheep are gone and the camels are gone and, uh, you know, all this stuff. And then and they get to the family and then all of a sudden at the end, like Job is ripping off his clothes and he's praising God. Like, I don't know that that would be me. You know, I don't know that I have that righteousness in me to be able to to, to do that. <clears throat> and so it's it's a, I think it's something that gives us hope in in the story of Job to where it's like there was a real man who literally had to go through all this. And, you know, my day may be bad, but I didn't lose my family and all of my livestock, which I don't have Joe bad. (laughs) Yeah, it ain't Joe bad. Well, and Will, I kind of want to hit on something that you just said because you mentioned the word hope. And for me and Hannah specifically, the story of Job has become incredibly real Mm. to us recently for our listeners who don't know uh, we've had three miscarriages in like the last six months and you know I'm a pastor I'm walking with God daily I I like to believe Uh, I do slip and fall and you know fall short of the glory of God and sin and all those things but to the best of my ability I do try and have that righteous walk and I do try and do the right thing and you know for for all practical purposes in the way we understand and perceive things based on the the right things that I do I should receive right rewards that that's just how we logicize things but unfortunately with with God it doesn't always work that way and I I don't want to take a a stance of of martyrdom or, or anything like that right now but you know, when when Job was first challenged, you know, the, the first tragedy occurred and he lost all his children. And while the messenger was still speaking, the next one yeah. came in and said, oh, by the way, you didn't just lose your children. You also lost this. Yeah. And while that servant was still speaking, mm-hmm. the next one came in. So literally in, in, a, in, in minutes, he lost his whole entire world. And truthfully, we felt like that three times now. Now, it wasn't back-to-back-to-back in in a matter of minutes, but it was back-to-back-to-back in a matter of weeks or months. And it's it's challenging. It really does press you, and it really does um, stretch you. I mean, it, it, it truly does. It stretches you to your core, but you can keep reading. And is as you keep reading, that's where you start to find those pieces of hope. One of my favorite verses at this point in my life is Job chapter 2 verse 10 and it's it's coming from the mouth of Job and in that moment his wife was struggling 
much more than what he was. And, and I, <laughs> I can relate to that right now. But, but she, she essentially tells Job to curse your God and die, and he corrects her. And then he says, shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And what that means to me is, despite what we're going through, despite what we've gone through, despite what we have lost, despite the challenges and the struggles and the tragedies, it may be a bad day, but that doesn't mean it's a bad life. And that's what I've been telling her over and over and over again. And I don't mean to call my wife out right now, but but that's one thing that we've kind of, that's kind of been our, our marching, uh, mm-hmm. whatever the word is, like that's been our, our <coughs> banner that we've kind of yeah. been, you know, living by. It's, it's a bad day. It's not a bad life because the reality is God has blessed us tremendously. And, and I don't want to monopolize the conversation and, and tell you about all the blessings that, that God has poured out on me. But, you know, in every area, if, if I'm not saying that you guys have to, but, but if I were to truly analyze my life with work and, you know, opportunities at the church and family blessings and health if I were to go down that list, I mean, we'd be here forever. Yeah. God has blessed me tremendously, and I recognize that. So in obedience and in knowing how good God has been to me, I feel that I have to be faithful and also accept some of that adversity, and I have to accept some of those challenges so that I will be a better man later on so that I will be a better pastor moving forward. You know, I've told Hannah that she may be placed in a situation where, you know, a, a young girl or young woman, you know, five years from now goes through the exact same thing she's gone through. And based on what she has gone through, God is positioning her now to be able to help someone in the future. So, you know, there, there's just so many different things that you can talk about with these trials and, and struggles, you know, it also is it's a testament to Job's friends because, you know, as, as he was as he was tearing his clothes and taking broken pieces of clay and cutting himself and doing all of those things, his friends journeyed to come see him and just spend time with him. And as, as soon as they got there, for seven days, they literally just sat there in silence with the man. They didn't say a word. They didn't pat him on the back. They just sat there with him. And I've experienced that with, with my own friends, people people being willing to do anything and everything they could to, to be there for us and support us and encourage us, even if it means just sitting there in silence. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's yeah. just there's, there's a lot that we could we could talk about. And and like I said, I don't, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but my point is it has been incredibly real to me. And I'm I'm not saying the Bible was written specifically for me, but I do think that God has us in mind when, when he gives us stories like Job, because he knows that this story is in a place to help us. And we have something tangible that we can open up. We can we can open up a literal physical book, and we can go to a literal story of a man who also went through similar struggles and see how he got through it and give us the hope that you talked about to get through what, whatever we're going through. Yep. Yeah, you hit several good things in that that I want to kind of echo and, and add to. Um, one of those about his friends coming in, Will, you talked about that we try to kind of contextualize so many things and mm-hmm. we try to explain away all these things. Well, And Job's friends were very much that way. Yeah, they came and sat in silence with him for a little while. But then they did try to offer some explanation to some stuff, and every one of them was wrong <laughs> about, about like why Job was going through what he went through. It's like, well, maybe you've sinned, and this is God's punishment for you. And Job's like, bro, I hadn't done anything wrong, right? Yeah. And it's like they 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 tried to contextualize the suffering that Job was going through and tried to give him uh, reasoning or explanation behind it, and none of it was accurate. Um, but that's our human nature that we we want an explanation behind it. But the truth of the matter is, for Job specifically in this story, like the only reason behind his suffering was God's glory. Like that was it. God was standing before Satan. Satan was trying to be prideful saying, Hey, I can, I essentially own your world at this point. And God was like, 
no, you don't. <laughs> and then let me use Job to prove that. And so there there was this level of like the, the purpose behind Job's suffering was God's glory in that. And even the statement that Job makes to his wife, um, that is one of my favorite verses out of Scripture that I, I quoted for a long time as we walked through that stuff with Zeke was, you know, shall I accept the good from God and not the bad? And it's like that uh, that mindset of bad day, not bad life, can be extended to like bad day, still a good God. Um, And and that's where I think Job's mindset was that he was trying to lead his wife through was we're having a bad day and it's a really bad day, like really, Mm -hmm. really bad day. But that doesn't make God any less good or worthy of being glorified or or like God has blessed me. And if I'm going to praise him when I've got the blessings, then I also have to praise him and call him a good God even when I walk through the dark days because he's the same God today as he was yesterday. I heard a quote recently, and I, I wish that I could credit it properly, uh, but it was it was from some pastor or theologian. And he said that a person cannot reach true spiritual maturity until they are able to say that God is still good despite whatever they're going through. And I wish I remember who said that, but that's exactly what you're talking about. And it's 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 hard to get there. And I'm not saying that I am there by any means, but in order to get there, you do have to go through those hard times so that you can know in the depths of your soul and from the bottom of your heart, you can know that God is good. Yeah. And, and I like the glory part of it. You know, <clears throat> we we think a lot of times, you know, like, why is it this way? Like, how is it this way? And then as we get down the road of, you know, of life, you know, it might be a year, it might be two years, it may be never, it may be like Job, and we just never know. But ultimately, it's going to point towards God. And give him the glory. So whatever the reasoning is, it, it it is going to point towards God, and and that's good and bad. You know, if it's something where we are in the valley and we're going through this trial and we're going through this hardship and we're fighting through, and it feels like our day is just, we, we just hope that like Job, tomorrow never comes. You know, and and God just take us. You know. It's one of those where even in all of those times, on the other side, it grows us. It makes us stronger. We're able to point back to God during that time. The other thing um, that I really liked in that is I just drew a blank. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, well, another, um, another part of it is, you know, you mentioned it can be good or bad, and with with how job handled his situations we've we've talked about how he ripped his clothes and how he took broken mm-hmm. pots of clay and and cut himself and you know then he was silent for that period of 7 days and then at at the end of that 7 days he kind of had this eruption of emotion and he got he got mad like oh, yeah. if you read uh, yeah. i can't remember exactly which chapter it is it's it's probably 4 or 5 or somewhere along in there like, he just straight up got mad, and that's where he started talking about some of the things that you just mentioned where he cursed the day he died, yeah. or he, he cursed the day that he was, was born, born and yeah. wishes that he would have died. But even inside of all his anger and emotion, he still didn't sin. So yeah. to me, it is okay, and it is even healthy to go through that full range of emotion oh, yeah. when you go through something catastrophic or, or tragic. You know, I think... In a way, it it shows some of your humanity. Mm-hmm. It shows how you are dependent on God. Uh, it shows that it, it just shows a lot. But I do think, like I said, I think it's 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 good, and I would even say healthy for you to allow yourself to go there. There are yeah. a lot of different pieces of your health. There is physical health. There is emotional health. There is mental health, and and all of those have to be in sync with one another, and they have to. You know, you you have to mind one just as much as you would mind another. So if you're a physical specimen and you can run 12 miles without stopping and do a thousand push-ups and stuff like that, that's great. But if your emotional health or your mental health is poor, in general, you're you're not very very healthy. So I would just encourage you if you are going through 
any any hard time or trial or whatever the case may be allow yourself to process and be emotional as necessary and accordingly yeah i want to hit on that real quick because there's a whole i don't want to say necessarily generation because i don't know that it's necessarily a whole generation but there is a large group of people who have a mindset of like it's wrong to ask god why and i despise that Mm -hmm. mindset because to me over and over again through the book of Job, Job asks the question why. Like he, he has does. that outburst of emotion and 330 it's why times. I, that was one thing <clears> that, that I saw. Like. Um, 330 times, there are, there are 330 questions mm. asked in the book of Job. In, I think it was Psalms, there's 150 chapters and there's only like 106 questions. Yeah. Like, Job is doing tons of questioning yeah. with God. Well, and even inside of that, over and over again, too, it, the, the writer of Job says, and Job did not sin with his mouth. And so we can't equate asking the question why with something wrong. We, we have to be okay saying it's all right to not know. The one thing that I will say in addition to that, though, that, that gives God some room in that is like, be prepared for God's response yeah. because sometimes God's response isn't what we want to hear. It wasn't for Job, right? Like Job finally has this outburst of emotion like, God, what is going on? Let me curse the day I die, blah, blah, blah. Like all these things, he's just letting it fly. And then literally God's response is, Job, gird yourself like a man because I'm going to question you and you're going to answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And it's like, and then he just... <laughs> Blast Job for like two or three chapters, um, and so he got put in his place pretty quick. He did, he did, yeah. and so I, I, I want to be uh, for for anybody, but listeners, especially as you as you hear this, like if you're walking through one of those moments, uh, one of those seasons of suffering, and and like don't don't feel like you can't go to God and say, God, why am I dealing with this? But I will also say, be prepared for the response <laughs> yeah. that you're going to get from God in that. Because sometimes God's response is, who are you to question me? Yeah. You know, and, and that doesn't make it sinful. It just makes it an honest conversation between you and God. It's yeah. you saying, God, I don't get it. And God saying, well, you shouldn't because you're not me. Mm-hmm. All right. Like I'm God and I, I, and I do as I please and it is for my glory. And you're a little bit along for the ride, man. Yeah. And so like, do I love you? Yes. Do I want good things for you? Absolutely. But this right now, the suffering that you're going through may or may not be about you. And so, yeah. like, we we have to be okay, number one, with saying asking why is, is all right. But we also have to be okay with saying God's response may not be what we want to hear. Yeah. And that, that reminds me, too, of, of, like, Jonah at the end of Jonah, you know, when it comes to Nineveh. Jonah's ticked because he's like, God, you... you you did this anyway. Like you were going to change your mind. I knew you were going to change your mind. I knew this was going to happen. And God's just like, you know, so what, you know, (laughs) like, I don't, yeah, I did. It's me. I can do that. And I can do whatever you want me to. The, the one thing that I forgot that I happen to remember, um, uh, we were talking about it's, it's not a bad life. It's just a bad day. The other thing in that is we got to remember that, even as we go through those bad things, there's still good that's happening all around us. Mm. Like just <clears throat> we 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 tend to focus on the big stuff, but we forget that like every time we breathe, that's God. Every time your heart beats, that's God. Every time, you know, you you smell something or taste something or see something or touch something, that's God. He designed all that to function. And so as we sit around this table, the majority of us, to the best of my knowledge, have all functions, all five senses, you know. And and I count that as a blessing because there's a lot of people who don't. And I'm not necessarily saying that, um, that you know, I'm better than those people or anything like that. I'm just saying... Even in my bad days, I have to remember that I'm able to take a breath, that I'm able to see, that I'm able to touch, that I'm able to taste, that my heart beats. Um, And so uh, sometimes as we go through those moments, um, we have to remember those little things. Yeah, there's been a bunch of bad for the day, but there's also been a bunch of good because I'm, you know, 
still upright and moving, um, which not saying that being well, non-upright is, is a bad thing, especially when you're, you're right, Jesus. though, because when – to, to, to shift gears a little bit from, from standpoint to perspective, <laughs> there are a couple of different perspectives. You can have, you can be introspective where you look inside yourself and, or you can be like focusing on outer perspectives. And what, what Hannah and I have had to do is we've had to be really introspective and we've really had to look deep inside ourselves because, you know, the way the world turns and the way, our culture and society is like we all want to be self-reliant and we all want to be uh, independent and we want to do things on our own and we can easily be filled with pride and you know we can if we're not careful push God further and further and further out of our lives because we're doing it this is my house this is my bank account this is my success this is my glory but he's quick to remind us that it's it's not about us at all. It is about his glory. And when you do go through those hard times, the more you can reflect internally and think about those things that you're talking about, how every moment is a gift, every gift, you know, is or every blessing is a gift, it really does change your perspective and gives you a different outlook on life. And, and I'm not saying that, that that is the fix all, solve all type solution, but it really helps. So if you are going through a tough time, the more you can just take a deep breath, focus on, on the good, you'll quickly realize that the good truly does outweigh the bad. Yeah. And, and that's, difficult for us in human nature because we tend to focus on the negative. Um, I preached a sermon a long time ago now, a couple years ago. That's not really that long ago, but a couple years ago on the power of our mind a little bit in some things and how we, I I forget the statistics now, I'd have to go back and research it, but it's like, it takes, it's like 10, that's probably not the right number, but like 10 positive thoughts to overcome one negative thought in our lives. And so, but our but our natural tendency is to always go to the negative. And so we have to forcibly, that's why scripture tells us to take every thought captive where it's like we have to force ourselves to focus on the blessings and to remain positive in those things. And, and, and that becomes increasingly difficult when we face trials and circumstances and tribulations and all these things that Job was going through and the things that we go through. Like it becomes really easy to look at it and go, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And God is saying, man, like, take that thought captive and, like, you are blessed. Like, even on your worst day, you are blessed. Um, but we have to, that we don't just naturally think that way. We have to force ourselves to that. It's part of maturing as a believer is that we get to a place where it's like, I can look at the darkest of days and, and take my mind to the blessings. I can take my mind to bad day, good God, and, like, I can put myself there when I need to put myself there. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you going back there because I kind of trailed off and I didn't fully close my thought, but, you know, I started off talking about God's glory and then I kind of trailed off and started talking about, you know, being introspective and, you know, <laughs> I, I kind of floated, floated away a little bit there for a minute, but you just brought me back. Nothing catches God by surprise. Like God's not surprised by anything that's going on. God is God and God is good and he is omniscient and he is omnipresent and he is all of those things that we know and believe him to be. So the things that that we're going through like like God knew he knew that before the foundation of the earth was laid. Mm-hmm. He tells us that. Uh the things that happened to Job they didn't surprise God. God was sitting there watching it happen, and he knew that it was going to happen, and he knew that he was going to allow it to happen. And that same truth applies to us. Like, God knows what we're going to go through. If, if we're, you know, thinking like a, a silly game of, of chess or something like that, God is a thousand moves ahead of, of our one single tiny move. Like, we're just trying to get through this day. We're trying to get to 5 o'clock so that we can get off work and go back home or, you know, we're just trying to get to the next time that we can go back to the doctor's office and find out the good or bad news. Like we're just so finite Mm -hmm. in our thinking 
but God is, I mean, he is leaps and bounds ahead of us, and he knows what's going to happen. And that's the beauty of the book of Job. I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead or, or bringing the conversation to a close, but we get the benefit of reading from cover to cover. We get the benefit of reading from start to finish. So, yes, we see Job lose everything that he had, with the exception of his health. We get to see how his friends surrounded him and cared for him and loved on him and things like that. We get to see this this long 30-chapter story of, of, you know, all of these different thoughts and reasons and uh, ideas and concepts. But then we also get to read the end. And at the end, God restored everything that Job had times, like like multiple times. Like if he had a thousand cattle and animals to begin with, God restored that to even more than, uh, I, I probably should have researched that more before I started <laughs> speaking on it. But But the point is, we have that hope and God has a purpose, God has a plan, and God knows what's going to happen, you know, uh, for for me and Hannah specifically, you know, yes, we have had three failed pregnancies in, in the past six, eight months, however long it's been, but God knows what is going to happen. And, you know, we, we believe, we believe in God, we believe in his promises, we trust him, and we, we hang our hats on his goodness. And we know that somehow, some way, someday, God is going to complete our family. And, you know, to, to Chris's point, it may not be the way we want it to be. It may not look the way we want it to look. It could be. We don't know that, but he does. And I think that's where the hope truly comes from, is, is knowing that we have and serve a God who, who is all-knowing and who is in control and who is good. And like the song says, he truly, truly does have the whole world in his hands and yeah. nothing, nothing surprises him. Nothing catches him off guard. He's God for a reason. He's got this. So all we have to do is, I guess, sit back and enjoy the ride as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, and <clears throat> as you were saying that, uh, one verse um, that kind of came up as I, I was looking into the suffering um, was Isaiah 57 1. It says, The righteous man perishes, and no man takes it to heart. A devout man excuse me, and devout men are taken away while no one understands for the righteous man is taking away from evil. And so you were speaking of that, having that whole picture, God knows the beginning and the end. He's got the whole timeline. And so as far as why someone would die early or uh, we consider die early um, or, you know, why that somebody who, who has who is a good person might have evil done to them. Um, sometimes it's because the evil ahead, it's worse off. Um, and so kind of speaking in, into that and, and looking further into that, um, maybe we can go through some of that on why we do have to suffer um, more specific on the topics of that. And crickets. <laughs> um, I, with this verse in particular, it points towards evil. Like there's something worse ahead. Yeah. Um, me personally, <clears throat> uh, some other ones that I can think of would be growth. Um, it's easy to be righteous, and it's easy to walk close to God when there's no problems and you're up on the mountain but you really don't know how strong you are until you're in the valley. And so I can claim to be the world's strongest man, but until I try to pick up the car and, like, drag it down the road, I'm, I'm not proven. Save yourself the hassle, buddy. I know. I cannot do that. <laughs> Though I did win. I did win the West Kent Bench Press Contest the one Wednesday night that we he tried did. to do that. He did. I came in a close second, but Will took the lead. I'm not going to say that the next three days I wasn't sore as I'll get out. Let's well, I wasn't in the room. Oh, <laughs> challenge. JK. Challenge accepted face. there, buddy. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's to grow strength, I, I think, you know, and um, ultimately to help us grow. And I think 
so that we can. The other thing is those lessons learned. Um, I know Wes, you and Hannah are kind of in that process, but coming out on the other end, you're going to have a knowledge of a time and a mindset and um, the feelings of, of, of pain and anger and all those things that went along with that, that I myself and, and Steph, we didn't have to go through that. So we don't know. So you're, you have that mindset. So when someone close to you or God puts somebody in your path that has, is going through that, you're there to help them. Yeah. And I, I, I totally believe and support that. But, but for me, it's almost been, I want to be careful how I say it because I don't want to say it's been the exact opposite. Like you just talked about growth and, and strength and, mighty words like that which which are good and i do believe that those are a piece of the puzzle or the story but i've almost had to go the opposite direction and meet god in weakness because like i was saying earlier we we often develop this uh self-reliance and you know the the same words that i just spouted off a couple of minutes ago independence and you know i've got this figured out i can pick up the world and put it on my shoulders and i can march forward and you know be fine or i can go to god in my weakness and literally develop a childlike faith you know if, if you go to a young child who is innocent and who doesn't have the life experiences or skills and it, you know if, if you go to, to a, a small child who is trusting in you as a person and say hey follow me like that child's going to follow you simply because like they they don't even know why they're following you they don't know why they're not following you they're just looking at you as an older person, as an adult, and you know, for for some reason, when when you say "follow me," okay, where where are we going? You know, they don't even sense danger, or mm-hmm. there, there's just there's just that innocence there. And for me, of course, that's unless it's my two girls, <laughs> <laughs> and they won't follow you, S. <laughs> <laughs> but but for me. You know, it's it's kind of guided me in the opposite direction, and I've had to come to a place where I know that I can't do life alone. I know that despite my greatest efforts, my greatest efforts aren't good enough. Like, there is nothing that I can do to change the course that we are on. So literally, at the end of the day, I'm left with, with two choices, follow God and submit to his plan and his authority and his will or don't. And I'm at a point and have been at a point where it's just, I don't even want to say that it's easier, but it's clear that the thing for me and my wife to do is to just follow Jesus every step of the way, keeping our eyes on him and just accepting whatever happens. And it's it's hard to get there. It, It is, but but you can get there. Yeah, I used to talk with people in leadership conversations about the things we control and the things we don't. And there was always this closed hand, open hand conversation of the closed hand is things that I have power over that I can say, I have complete control over this. Those are things like whether the choices that I make every day, the the, the right and wrong, um, the way I lead my family, the way I spend my money, the um, the job, even to some extent, most of the time of like what I go into vocationally, like I, I get to choose a lot of those things and I control a lot of that. But then there's this other side of things that are like, this is completely outside of my control and I can't do anything about it. And those are the f- most frustrating things in the world because it's like those are the almost the things that you want to control where it's like I want to be able to have children with my fam- with my wife and my family. Um, but but I can't, and, the, and so I think I can't control that. And so it's in this open hand over here of like, I can't do anything about this. Um, your health to some extent. Yeah, you can go to doctors. You can do all the right things. You can take your medicine. You can take vitamins. You can work out. You can do all the things that you're supposed to do. But the truth of the matter is at the end of the day, like if God's going to take you home from a heart attack, God's going to take you home from a heart attack. And there isn't much you can do about that. Your health to some extent is outside of your control. 
And and those are the things that I think when we think about suffering, they become the most difficult because it's like I suffer in these things and I can't control them. If it's something that I can control and I'm suffering and it's like, okay, no problem. I can just do something different. But over here in this hand and a lot of the things that Job faced is it's like Job had no control over that. He had no ability to alter his circumstance. He had no ability to change that. And that was where faith really became a reality for him was am I going to believe in this moment that God is still good and that God has good intentions for me, even though everything around me right now that's either in my control or not in my control is falling apart. That's where faith becomes like tangible. Um, and that happens to all of us. We all have that crisis of faith moment in our lives, and we'll have multiple ones of those where it's like, I have to make a conscious choice in this moment. This isn't something I control. And, it, and it's suffering right now, or it's causing me suffering right now, am I going to believe and keep the faith that God is still good and God is still uh, putting all things together for my good and because I'm called according to his purposes? Like, Am I going to hold tightly to that or am I going to walk away from it? Um, and that's the difficult thing that we face all the time, um, but especially in those things that it's like I don't control that. Those are the hardest ones. Well, and there are some some. <laughs> I'm choose, I'm trying to choose my words properly, but just for sake of conversation, there are some dangerous sides to theology. You'll have some theolog- theologians who, again, are, are much smarter than I am. They'll say that there are no bad things and there are no bad people. Things just happen according to God's plan and God's purpose. And I believe that to an extent, but on the flip side of that coin— there, there are people who will say that God is, is good and God is love and he is kind and he is merciful, and I believe that to an extent, but, but you can't leave out God's wrath and you can't leave out God's uh, justness, if that's a word. Like, mm-hmm. like you have to find that happy balance or, or that happy medium to where you, you can just truly accept whatever... God gives you. Um, I do believe that that God is good, and I do believe that God is kind, and He is loving, and He is merciful. I, I believe all those things wholeheartedly, but I also believe that God will allow you to, to go through the fire. I do believe that God will allow you to walk through the valley. David walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but he feared no evil because God was was there with him. So, you know, I, I don't want you to live on one side of the spectrum and mm-hmm. say that, that God is just angry all the time and he wants to punish you and he wants to just dish out bad things to you to, to make you a better person and to make you a stronger Christian. Like, I, I don't want you to live in that camp, but I also don't want you to live in, in the false fairy tale camp that God is all puppy dogs and unicorns and rainbows and, and things like that because it you have to find that place where you walk in truth with him and just accept his will for your life. Jesus got to that place. He didn't get to that place. He lived in that place. But, you know, there was a time where Jesus was not thrilled about the will that the Father had for him. But he ended the prayer by saying, but not my will, but your will be done. And again, that's that's where I'm having to camp right now. It may not be my will, but God, if it's yours, then your will be done. And I think that is probably the biggest key that I could give you to dealing with any sort of, of suffering. It's, it's, it's not your will. It, it's God's will. And if it's God's will, then thy will be done. Yeah. And the this, the practical side of that is so difficult because it's like we can all pray that just like Jesus did. But then Jesus had to stand up in the garden and walk to where Judas was standing with a set of guards, right? And it's like we, it's easy to pray that. God, not my will but yours. You know, oh, it's a hard day, but God, I'm trusting you. And it's like that's easy. I can't say easy, but that is easier said than done of like we can pray it, and a lot of times we do pray it. But when we have to stand up and walk away from the prayer, are we living that way? Are, are we walking through the rest of our day? Are we leading our families? Are we coaching our kids on that? Are we leading our wives through that? Are we uh, leading each other through that and displaying that not only are we saying that, but we're actually living that out 
that we trust God even in the darkest of days. Because um, I, I think that's important that it's like Jesus didn't just say that prayer, but he got up and walked to the entrance of the garden where he knew Judas was waiting with a set of guards to arrest him. Well, and and it, it reminds me again, kind of what I was talking about Sunday with Gideon. We're going to go through things like God had promised Gideon, like y'all are going to defeat the Midians. Like, I've got you. You're not going to die. Yet Gideon wasn't like super thrilled about this plan, right? <laughs> like he asked for the fleece to be wet and then God does it. And you're like, well, okay, well, then he went. No, uh-uh. he was still scared. So he asked God to do completely opposite of what he had just done the next day. And and I think, you know, <clears throat> we have to remember that, like, it's okay to be fearful. It's okay to be stressed. It's okay to be worried. It's okay to feel this sense of, like, I'm not in control. It's okay to do that. But as you were saying, Chris, like, taking that step after you feel that way, mm-hmm. like, that's probably what holds the majority of Christians back. It's we get scared. We, we read these verses, and we're like, yeah, you know, like, God asked, you know, for the cup to be taken, but you know, it's all God's will. And like, that's what we do. But then like we get in those situations and it's like, I'm terrified of this and I'm not going to do it. You know? And, and it's again, easy, easily said, but it's coming to that, excuse me, coming to that place where it, you know, it is true where we can really say that where it's like, we're just going to trust God enough in this moment to where we got to keep going. And I, I think that's where Job was. And um, any final thoughts from you, gentlemen? Well, the um, last thing that I'll say is uh, well, I heard. I shouldn't ask you. Know, I <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I can be the long winded sometimes. <laughs> but I heard a, a, a sermon years and years ago, and it has always stuck with me, and and I wish I could remember his name as well, but it was by an elderly African-American pastor, and he was preaching on Romans 8.28, and he unpacked the whole verse, and he said, for we know, and then he's like, "We we don't think, we don't hope, we don't do any of that, because we know that all things, and that means all things, that don't mean some things, it means all things work together for the benefit of those that love God. And then he said, but sometimes it just takes a while. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever you're going through, just know that that God sees the other side. Uh, He knows the end. Nothing catches him off guard. He is working things together for your purpose, but it may just take a while for you to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I think just in general, as you face sufferings, I, I would go all the way back to what I said at the beginning: is we don't have to try to narrow it down to one category. Oh. I think we can just be okay saying God's using this for His glory and for my good, and we have, and I can be okay with that. And so, God, help me to walk faithfully and help me to to stick to what I know I, what I know is right. Um, and then I think, you know, Wes mentioned earlier about being introspective, I, I think one of the biggest things that we can do as believers is that anytime we face a set of challenges, one of the first things we should ask ourselves is, is this of my own doing? <laughs> I don't think that that's an unfair thing to say. Is like I think too many times we want to blame it on external sources or we want to blame God for things that are our fault. And it's like, I think so many times we need to maybe just pause for a second and really ask the question, have I sinned? Like, have I done something that has caused this in my life? And I was either unaware of it and I need to fix it, or I was very aware of it and just thought I was going to get away with it. I'm like, do I need to fix that and not blame God for my poor decisions and the effects of my own sin? And I I think our generations and down more so than previous generations tend to look externally for the blame in that they don't look internally. So I would just say take a look in the mirror first before you go to God about it. Yeah, I, if you rob that bank and you're headed to prison, like God didn't <laughs> want you to grow in that, like you, you probably had an issue there. Right. Um, well, we appreciate uh, the topic idea, Christopher. Um, we we hope that we have uh, answered any questions and uh, given enlightenment 
um, to the uh, to the book of Job and to suffering just in general. Um, if you're sitting out there and you think you've got an idea for a podcast or for a topic, uh, feel free. Shoot it to us. Uh, shoot it to us. To us. To us. To us. Shoot it to us. Um, Facebook message or whatever, and um, we will gladly discuss it um, amongst each other. And if it's something that we can use and we can take off with, and um, we will gladly open that up and, and have a conversation about it. Um, as always, follow, like, share, tell your neighbor, tell your cousin, tell your brother, your sister, your mother, your dad, whoever. If they don't know how to get on the podcast, show them uh, so that they can listen. Um, we hope that you enjoy this episode. And uh, as always, we want to thank you for tuning in.